The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us, our services are Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We would love for you to be our guests. We hope you consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting the donation amount to 907 341 4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, yes, you can respond back. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so excited that you made it. Maybe you're part of the ACF Church family. You're here every week. Um, maybe you are new and somebody from ACF Church drug you here, you know, and, and you're, you're finally here. And so I'm glad that you made it. Before we get too much into the service here, we want to start by doing something. Um, who has a, a smartphone? Do you guys have smartphones? Um, so... Pull it out. Pull out your smartphone. Statistics, statistics show that there's more smartphones than people in the U.S., and so some of you have two of these. Uh, so pull out your phone. And uh, how many of you are on the Facebook? Anybody on the Facebook? You've heard of Facebook, right? Okay, so you're like all of you are on Facebook. So get on Facebook. You can get on Facebook in church. It's okay. God's not watching. You can get on Facebook in church. I'm just kidding. So get on Facebook. And here's what we're going to do. Every Christmas Eve, we advertise this service. We use some of our resources to promote Christmas Eve uh, because we believe that the message of Jesus coming to earth is the most important life-transforming message that we can share. I mean, that it'll change your life when this gets into your heart. And so we promote this every year, and it costs us some money to do that. And so what we did this year is we pulled back on some of our promotions. And one of our philosophies is we want to do the most good with what we have. And so here's the opportunity that I want to invite you guys to be part of. And we've done this at every service, but we're partnering with the downtown soup kitchen down in Anchorage. And so what's going to happen is with uh, every five check-ins, we're going to be able to provide a meal for somebody who otherwise wouldn't be able to eat. So isn't that awesome? Get on your smartphone. You can be a part of this. Our goal is 100 meals, which means we need a total of 500 check-ins. We're not there yet. So we need everybody here to check in on Facebook. And you just simply by checking in here at ACF Church and saying something about the service or whatever to your friends can provide a meal to somebody who otherwise wouldn't be eating here in Anchorage. And so I think it's a great opportunity, a great way for us to serve our city in just a small way. So why don't you do that real quick? Jump on your phone. <laughs> Last service, somebody was like, how do you check in? So if you don't know how to check in, ask a teenager in your row. Uh, you can, they'll show you through all the steps on how to check in on Facebook. But we'll jump on there real quick. We're going to take 30 seconds right now and do this, and, uh, and then we'll continue on. By the way, last year we launched something called Dollar for Change. This year we're calling it Check-In for Change. So you can hashtag with that. And it's just simple things that we try to do to make change in our community. That's one of the philosophies of our church. We want to make sure that we're here for our city. We want to know uh, the city to know that we're here and to, uh, to, to want us to be in their community. And so we're always looking for ways to serve our city. So I hope you're willing to do that. Jump on, check in, and uh, be part of that movement to give meals to people who aren't eating this Christmas season. So I'm so glad that you're here. Um, again, I said, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I hope that you felt welcomed when you came. I hope that you feel like as you step into these doors, even if you're not part of this ACF community, that you feel like this is sort of like coming home. 
And I don't know, I don't know what your story is. I don't know you personally, maybe, but um, maybe you are part of the church and you're just excited to be here celebrating the birth of Jesus. Maybe you've got a story where you went to church as a kid and you, uh, you grew up, maybe your mom made you wear dresses every Sunday and you're like, I hate this. I don't ever want to go back to church. And so you got into high school and stopped going to church and, and uh, maybe this is one of your first times coming back. Uh, maybe sometime in your life you were praying to God and you were praying, God, I need you to help me with this. I need you to heal this relationship. I need you to heal my mom or heal me or you're asking God for a miracle. And you prayed and you're like, all right, God, if you're there, if you're there, I want you to show me that you're there. And then things went down in a way that you hadn't hoped they would go down. And God didn't respond the way that you would hope he would respond. And you decided in that moment, God isn't real. He's, even if he is real, he's not a loving God. Or maybe you had an experience with a Christian. And that Christian didn't look a lot like the Jesus that you've heard of. And you said, if that, if that guy represents Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. So I don't know what your story is, but as we start into this tonight, here's, here's my question for you. And I want you to consider this. Would you consider taking a step forward in your faith and just making a decision? As we come into this new year, into 2016, what does it look like for you to take a step? Maybe it's a big step. Maybe it's a little step. Maybe it's just to ask some questions of the person that invited you to church. Like, hey, tell me some things about faith. I don't really understand uh, what this is all about, why you're into this. Maybe it's something like you've been talking for a long time about getting your family back into church and maybe you've been talking with your husband or wife about it and you're like, we just need to start doing that again. And in 2016, you're gonna make a commitment maybe to coming back to church and being part of this stuff and and coming here. And here's what you need to know about our community is we have set out to be a community that is here for the churched, the unchurched, and the de-churched. So I don't know which of those categories you might fit in. You might have been de-churched a long time ago and you're like, I want nothing to do with this thing except for when my grandmother invites me to church on Christmas Eve. You know, or maybe you're unchurched and this is very new for you. All this faith stuff. Wherever you might be, come with your questions and your doubts. We've all got them. And uh, we're just going to be a place. We've always tried to be a place that's on journey together, learning together, growing together, asking questions together. And just so you know, this is a safe place for that. But tonight we celebrate the coming of Jesus, his arrival to earth. And as I said, I hope that you felt welcomed here. Uh, I hope that you felt like we want you here. And, and Christmas for me brings up a lot of memories of my childhood. My dad was in the Air Force and we traveled around a lot, moved to a lot of places. And I remember when I was young, we lived in upstate New York, Plattsburgh, New York. And Christmas meant a road trip. And we would get in the car and we would drive to Maine to our family farm. And uh, we had a car. I think we have a picture of our car. Yeah, there it is. So, so you guys are like, you're kidding, right? No, seriously, our car was almost just like the family truckster. Seriously, our car is an old Buick station wagon with the wood siding. It wasn't even real wood. It was the sticker, the sticker wood, right? If you keyed it, you went right through the sticker. So anyway, we, we would load up in the old Buick station wagon. My dad would blow up an air mattress and put it in the back of the car, and we would sleep on it for the whole trip because I guess back in the late 80s, people didn't fly out of cars during wrecks. So I don't know. It must have been a lot safer back then or something, but my dad was like, just sleep in the back, you know, I guess just to keep us quiet for all five hours. We'd get up to Maine. We'd show up to the family farm. I remember this feeling of, of welcoming and reception that we would receive when we'd get there. You know, my grandparents would come out with open arms, give us hugs and kisses. There'd be a fire in the fireplace. There'd be food on the stove. And there's this feeling of welcoming that you're home. You know that feeling? And, and if you know that feeling, then you probably also know a feeling of being unwelcome. 
as I said, we moved around a lot. And so that means that I felt this feeling of being the new kid all the time going to a new school, being that kid that doesn't know anybody. I felt like every couple of years I was re- reenacting that scene from Forrest Gump where he's getting on the bus, you know, and they're like, seat's taken, seat's taken, you know. That was my life over and over again, that feeling of everybody's got their friendships, they've got their relationships, there's kind of no room for you. Here's what you need to know is that when Jesus arrived to earth, that in his arrival, as he gave up heaven and came to the world that is his, when he came, He arrived to this dark and hostile world, this dark and hostile environment, and he pierced this darkness with a light and a grace and a hope that the world had never seen before. And even to this day, you guys, when you talk about Jesus, it gets a little dicey, doesn't it? Like some of you are like, okay, family, listen, here's the rule. At Christmas dinner, you can talk about anything but religion, anything but Jesus, because when you talk about Jesus, it gets a little dicey sometimes, because there's a lot of different opinions about who Jesus was and what he came to do. And despite who he was historically, there's a lot of different opinions. You guys, do you know that Jesus was the most influential man and the most divisive man who ever walked the face of the earth? As you just look back at our history, more wars have been fought about Jesus, and yet more things have been influenced by Jesus. Medicine and education and government have been influenced by this man more than anybody who ever walked the face of the earth. And so tonight, we're going to look at that Jesus for who he was, for who he actually was. He, he wasn't just a baby. We celebrate the cute baby Jesus, but he didn't stay a baby. I have a friend, and uh, his wife got him a puppy dog for his birthday, which I thought was funny because there's one rule in my house when it comes to birthday gifts, and that's that they can't have a heartbeat. That's really important when you get us a gift at, 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 you know, at Christmas or a birthday. Like, it can't be a living gift, you know? And I was laughing because I'm like, did he like that? Was he okay with that? Yeah, that's kind of a big decision because they don't stay puppies, right? They grow up and they become full-grown dogs that, you know, they eat the remote control and they burrow holes in the drywall and they make messes and they grow up, right? And it's funny that when people think about Christmas, they think about this baby, this Christ child, and they don't think that much about who he became, who he actually was to the world and what he claimed to be. You can't really enjoy Christmas unless you understand who Jesus was. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right there, you guys, 28 words that can change your life. That's what Jesus came to do. Redemption and the forgiveness of of sins. Ultimately, if you know the story of Jesus, this is what got him killed. This is what had people trying to kill him and ultimately killing him was that he didn't just call out on a God somewhere out there to forgive us of our sins. He himself said, I can forgive your sins. And this was really controversial because the religious people were like, hey, listen, listen, only, only God can do that. Of course, we know that Jesus, he was God himself coming to earth. And the whole story is a story of God helping a humanity that couldn't help themselves. A God that would do anything within his power to the point of sending his own son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus forgives our sins. 
Now, in my uh, neighborhood, it's been interesting. All month long, it's kind of looked like Amazon has thrown up on everybody's porches. Is this like this in your neighborhood? Anybody? So it's just, it's crazy. Here's the rule. Don't drink in prime, people, because it gets bad. And that debt will follow you around everywhere. So be careful, because Alaskans, we love our, our prime, our Amazon prime. Free shipping, right? But but listen, be careful about what you buy. I'm telling you. So we love making making lists. In our family, we're a list family. And we write down all the things that we want. And some of you in this room are like that. You're like, hey, I write a list so that you can get me exactly what's on the list, right? Come on. Who are those people? You just, yep, you make a list because you want what's on the list. Don't branch off the list. Listen to the list. This is what I want. Don't, don't get off the list. But then there's a few other people. You other people who are like, if you love me, you will be creative. And you will come up with something completely different. You will spend time building something with your hands. You will spend hours on Pinterest, walking through Fred Meyer, trying to figure out what I want if you care about me as a person, right? Come on, be honest. Who's that? Who are you guys? Yep, yep. Guys, you know, I'm trying to help you out. If you only bought her what was on the list, you're out of luck. So just go to the gas station on the way home, get her something. She'll be totally psyched because it wasn't on the list. Here's the story of Christmas. Jesus is kind of like this for a lot of people. He shows up to earth and presents us with this opportunity to be forgiven and made right with God. And for some of you, he's kind of the gift that you didn't even know that you wanted. You didn't even know that you needed. And if you're a believer here today, if you're like, I'm Brian, I'm a follower of Jesus, you know the feeling of, of getting Jesus into your life and receiving him into, into everyday life and how you think to yourself, how did I ever make it without him? How did I live life without the grace of Christ on me? I didn't even know I needed that. And that's what it's like for a lot of people when it comes to Jesus. So here's the question. How will you respond to the message of Jesus? This child grows up to be a man who lives a perfect life, ultimately dying for all of humanity. And he wants to say one thing to all of us tonight. I can forgive your sins. I can make you right to God. I can receive you if you'll receive me. In Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Types of people when it comes to to Jesus coming to earth. Three different responses that he got. And the first people we're going to talk about here are the shepherds, the farmers of the day. The, the farmers and the shepherds of, of Jesus' day, they were hardworking people, people like anybody else, just average, ordinary, hardworking people. And we're going to read this passage out of Luke 2 that talks about their interaction with this angel. He says in, in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So here we have the announcement of the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior. And and this is an amazing moment if you think about it. God chooses of all the people on the world to reveal the coming of Jesus through these angels to the farmers, to the shepherds. 
to hardworking men who were just doing what they were doing on an average night. These were guys that had calluses on their hands and dirt between their toes. These guys just know how to get things done. And, and they were kind of the outcasts of their society, the undereducated and underprivileged. They were simply doing what they knew how to do on a typical night, expecting nothing out of the ordinary. Then, then this angel comes out of nowhere, and they're terrified because if you're in a field and an angel shows up, you get a little terrified. That's kind of crazy. And, and they're like, what could this be? And the angel says, don't be afraid. The Messiah has come. The Savior is here. And they weren't looking for a Messiah. It's interesting that God wants to reveal himself to these people who weren't even looking for him, just doing what they knew how to do on an average day. And it says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned. They went and they, they found baby Jesus and they, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So here's the process for these guys. Very simple process. They hear the good news. A Savior's come. They go and they investigate it. They go try to find out, is this the truth? And when they see that it's the truth, they worship. They submit their lives to God. That's what worship means. They honor God with their lives. It's like, listen, I'm going to submit myself to you. I love the simplicity of their faith. I love how simple it was. Later in Jesus' life, there's this story of how he's traveling around Judea, and he finds himself in this town, and, and he's sitting somewhere, and then people see that he's here in the town, and all these parents start bringing their children to Jesus. And just like any parent would, if there was this guy that could heal and make life better for your kids, you're like, I'm going to bring my kids to this guy. So they bring their kids to Jesus, and I can just imagine him like holding children on his lap. And when his disciples, they see this, they come over there, and they're like, no, get the kids away. Get the kids away. Jesus, he's way too busy for this. You know, kind of like this reverse Santa thing going on, you know, with Jesus and his disciples. It's this weird moment, and Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And maybe you've heard this term, faith like a child. To have faith like a child. What does that mean? You know, for some people you're like, I don't know. that. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be like a child. I want to be educated. I want to make good choices in my life. And, and that's not what he means here. There's a difference between childish faith and childlike faith. He's not asking you to have childish faith to not explore the truth because these guys, they explored the truth. They went to find out, was it true? But it's, it's the willingness to hear a simple declaration, the Savior is here. And to know, listen, I think the world needs saving. I think I need saving. And when, when the truth of that hits your heart, to simply say, that's for me, sign me up. Sign me up. And what's funny is the disciples, or these, these shepherds, we don't know how their life was different after this. We don't know if then they went back to their field and started like a little shepherd church plant, you know, and started talking about Jesus. We don't know if later in Jesus's life they found him and maybe were in, in the crowds that followed Jesus later on and learned from him. These guys didn't know what they were getting themselves into at all. They simply heard the truth of a savior, investigated the truth, found it to be true and said, I'm in, I'm in, save me. And for you guys, maybe you're here today and that's you. When it comes to Jesus, you're not looking for him. This is a night like any other Christmas Eve and you just came to church and maybe this is what you do. This is a family tradition. Maybe somebody invited you and you came here kicking and screaming. I don't know what it is, but you weren't looking for anything. But when you hear about grace, when you hear this idea that Jesus can forgive you, can give you a do-over for your life and you can actually have peace with God and peace with yourself, for you, that just kind of makes sense. And you're like, I'm in. Sign me up. It's that simple. 
I'll take that. Just like the shepherds, these farmers doing their thing, looking for nothing, but forgiveness is all they needed to hear for them to respond. So we've all got that friend that doesn't get Christmas, right? And you're that person in your life that just doesn't really get what it's about. It's kind of like the Grinch, don't elbow them, but doesn't get the Grinch, kind of the Grinch of the family, you know, doesn't really understand what Christmas is all about. It's like, just get me into January, February, move on with life. It just sounds like a lot of debt to me and a lot of presents and, you know, gaining weight. That doesn't sound like any fun, you know? And so everybody kind of knows that person. And our family loves the Grinch that stole Christmas, that movie with Jim Carrey. And if you don't know the story, it's pretty simple. You've got the Grinch who hates Christmas. And so he isolates himself on top of this mountain. And he tries not to deal with or look at all of the joy and the presence and the singing. And he, you know, he tries to get away from it and hide himself away. But at some point he realizes that his isolation isn't enough. He literally makes a plan to kill Christmas. You guys know the story? Well, in the Jesus story, there's, there's a Grinch, but his name is Herod. Now, Herod, we would call the dictator. He is this horrible leader of his day. He was called Herod the Great because he was a very ambitious man. Herod achieved a lot of great things in his lifetime. And yet, ultimately, what we know about Herod is his ambition was what killed him. His ambition was what his demise was. Because this guy wanted to be great. At the age of 25, he was named governor of Galilee, given a position of leadership and authority. And if, if you are younger or remember a day when you were younger and given authority, you know that it could kind of go to your head, right? And it can be dangerous. Unfortunately, some of us, with our pride, we start, to, we start to run off ahead of ourselves. And this was the way for Herod. He loved authority. He loved power. And most of all, he loved control. He loved to be able to control the world around him. And as he grew older, he uh, actually married a woman who was Jewish so that he can control the Jews in the area. He could have some kind of street cred because of his wife. And so later on, he was named King of the Jews. And as his, as his popularity grew and as his power grew, also did his paranoia grow. And you guys might have felt this before, that as you become more powerful, as you gain more things in this world, you also become more paranoid that you're going to lose everything, right? This is how it was for Herod. Now he's in control and he's powerful, but there are people in his life who start threatening his control. And every time he gets that feeling that you're a threat to him, he does one thing. He has you killed. So Herod, over and over again, you knew if Herod wasn't happy, somebody's going to die. We don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to die because Herod, Herod's not happy. So now where we find Herod is he's later on in life in his 70s. He's getting sick. His body is starting to waste away. But he's kind of at peace with things because he's lived his whole life in power, controlling his circumstances, controlling his world around him. So he's older. And then these men show up from the east, these wise men. And uh, probably modern-day Iran is where they were coming from. And they had traveled close to eight or 900 miles they followed this star to Jerusalem, and they're like, hey, who's in charge around here? And they said, that guy, Herod, talk to Herod. And Herod's like, what do you need? And they say, we're looking for the king of the Jews who's to be born this day. And for Herod, the Bible says that he was terrified. He was literally terrified at this because he knew, you know, that feeling that you're found out, that you're busted. Herod was like, I know I'm supposed to be king of the Jews, but I know there's this prophecy of a real king that's to come. And so Herod did whatever he knew how to do, which was to kill anyone that was going to take his power, to take his control. And so he made a plan to try to kill Jesus. Now, I want you to think in your life, 
Think of a time where you have lost control. Think of a time where you thought that you had things together and maybe you got a diagnosis that you didn't expect and you're like, wow, I guess my life's gonna be a little different than I'd planned on it being. Or maybe you, maybe you got uh, some kind of relationship that you were in. You thought this thing was going to be forever and you were so happy and this relationship was torn away from you. And you thought, man, I, I, thought I, could, I thought I could control that. I thought I had it all figured out. You know, maybe you thought you were going to get a promotion that you didn't get or you got laid off recently and you realized that you're not in control. See, that's the thing for for Herod. He would kill anybody that would make him feel like he wasn't in control. And we do this too. We get angry at anything that takes away our sense of control in life, just like Herod did. But here's the thing. Those things, they don't take away your control. They merely reveal that control is an illusion. You were never really in control of any of this. Every good thing that you have in your life is simply a gift that can be given and taken away by God at any moment. You were never really in control, but Herod, he liked to live like he was in control. For some people, this is one of the biggest barriers to believing in Jesus because you want control. You're like, Brian, I don't know. I think I'm doing a pretty good job of managing my life. I I do good things now and then, you know? I donate it to nonprofits occasionally. You know, I, I, I help old ladies across the street. I don't cheat on my taxes that often, you know? Like, I'm, I'm a pretty good person for the most part compared to the other guy. You're controlling your life. And then Jesus shows up and he offers you an opportunity to give up your control. Some people won't let go, like Herod didn't let go. And I guess that's just one way to respond to Christmas. So the third people we want to talk about here, these are the scholars, or you might have heard them called the wise men. And they're called wise men because these are highly educated men of their day. These are scientists, men that understood the world as, as best as they could in their time. They were also highly educated in spirituality. And these were the kind of people who had their fingers in all kinds of different types of religions and types of uh, spirituality and means to try to be religious and, and please God. And so they had their fingers in all kinds of different things. And so this one day they're out laying underneath the stars, looking at the sky that they knew and understood looking at all the constellations that they had studied for their entire lives. And then all of a sudden they see this star, this this different looking star. And they think, could it be? Could this be it? Could this be the answer to the prophecy made years and years and years ago? Could this be the Messiah coming to save the world? Clearly they had some kind of Jewish understanding as well. And clearly they, they understood it enough that they wanted to go investigate this, traveling hundreds of miles to Jerusalem, when they run into Herod, Herod says in Matthew 2 8, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now we understood that Herod didn't want to worship him, he wanted to kill him. And these guys, they travel five miles away to Bethlehem, they follow another star. And when they get there, they find, just as the prophecy had said, this baby, this Savior born in Bethlehem except he's not a baby, what you need to know at this point. He was two years old, probably, so I know that destroys your nativity scenes. Um, But he was older at this point, and it says, interestingly enough, these guys respond. It says they they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, which I think of these, think of these really wise, really educated type of men just rejoicing, just letting it go. And I I was reading this thinking, when's the last time that any of us have really rejoiced about anything in life? You know, just men in the room. I get that life is heavy sometimes. 
And if you're anything like me, sometimes the weight of life takes away that ability just to experience joy. Don't you sometimes think back to when you were younger and life was simpler and you seemed to be able to get excited and experience joy about these things? Well, for these guys, when they found out about Jesus, they investigated the truth, they found out that he was who they thought he was, they were excited. They were overjoyed because they had found what they were looking for. A while back, I lost my wedding ring on a Sunday morning. It was terrifying. Uh, This is my original wedding ring, and I've been married for 12 years, and I lost it. And I had everybody in this room searching, like, underneath all the chairs and tables to find my wedding ring. I was so terrified. And then later, I found it, like, underneath my bed at home. It's just ridiculous. So, and it's it's always like that. It's the last place you look, right? So it's funny how that works. You have this this tension, like, oh, am I ever going to find it? Am I ever going to find what I'm looking for? And then when you find it, it's like a thousand pounds have been taken off of your shoulders. And that's how it was for these guys. They had been looking for the truth. They'd been investigating their faith and all kinds of different spiritual practices. And when they found Jesus, they thought, this is it. This is what this is all about. Now, maybe this describes you pretty well. Maybe you have sort of this a la carte look at spirituality where you try a lot of different things. You know, you go to church on Christmas. You know, you, you, you dabble around in other kinds of faiths and other different kinds of religions. You've got your karma. You got your lucky rabbit's foot. You got your tarot cards. You got your ACF church bumper sticker. You've got a little bit of like everything. And then Jesus shows up and he says things like, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, there's only one way to connect with God and reconcile your relationship with him, and it's not through these other things. It's through Jesus alone. Some of you guys have spirituality, but you don't have Jesus. You have some kind of belief and faith, and it's the thing that keeps you praying, even when you don't know if there is a God or what God you're praying to. But when things go wrong in your life or somebody's sick, you kind of have this impulse like, maybe we should talk to God. I don't know who he is or or what he is, but maybe we should talk to him. Jesus tonight, he, he wants you to know he is the God you're looking for. He's the answer to all of your questions. And so here's, here's my question for you tonight, this Christmas. Is Christmas just a cute fable for the kids? Or is this actually the story of God coming to earth to forgive your sins and to save all of humanity? And if it is, then that story demands a response from you. You can't be neutral about this Jesus. He is divisive, but he's influential and he can change your life. Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled. This is Jesus speaking. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now this term repent, if you hear that word, maybe you just think of the guy on the street corner with the sign that's angry. It's like, repent of your sins. You know, you hear that word and it's a very scary, religious sounding word. But repentance is merely to rethink something in your life, to to reorganize the way that you see something in your life. And some of us need to repent of the way that we've seen God. Repent in the way that we've seen Christmas. Christmas has just been about, you know, presents and maybe going to church once in a while, maybe singing a few songs, and then we move on with life. I think what Jesus is saying here is this is a chance to repent, to rethink this stuff, and to believe the good news of Christ. And he says this, that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a certain immediacy to all of what Jesus is saying, like, like, hey, now's the time. Don't, don't Don't wait for tomorrow. 
I have a, a good friend of mine was telling me a story about um, what had happened to him. I think it was last year. He started a business down in Nashville, Tennessee. And he's got six or eight people in this small business startup. They bought this lower basement of a building, kind of a small house, and they set up shop down there. So one day they're hanging out in the basement of this building. They're setting up for their staff meeting, and they're getting their laptops out and their sweet tea, because I guess you drink sweet tea while you do staff meetings, you know, down in the south. And so they're getting ready for their staff meeting. They're sitting down, and then one of them gets this idea. They're like, hey, I know we've never done this before, but it's, it's nice outside. Maybe we could do our staff meeting out back. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So they get all their gear together and stuff, and they go out back, and they, you know, set up on the porch and their lawn chairs, and they, the last person sits down. And as soon as he sits down, they hear this explosion from the front of the building. And they're like, what is that? So they go running around the front of this house, and there is a loaded dump truck in their home, like inside of their office. The front end of this truck is all the way into the house. The front tire of this dump truck is on his desk that he'd been sitting at five minutes beforehand. The bricks are shot like shrapnel through the house. It was an explosion. Would have killed everybody in the room had they been there. Just crazy things you don't expect. It's, and I was thinking about this story, and you know, had he been standing at the sink with his wife that morning, brushing their teeth, And she was like, hey, so what's your day going to look like? You know what he wouldn't have said? Yeah, so like probably a a dump truck's going to come through our office and try to kill us all. You just, who thinks like that, right? Nobody, you just think it's an average day, it's another day, we get another day on earth. Yep, that's kind of how it's life. Life's going to just go on. We We live like that. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I want you to know something, that tonight may be the last time that you hear my voice. And I know that we don't live that way. I don't live like this very often. But we need to consider Jesus wants us to know, listen, the time is fulfilled. And whether whether it's God coming back, which can happen at any point, or it's the end of your life, which can happen at any point, the time is now to make a decision about the gospel. And maybe you've spent your life and you've been in church and you've heard the gospel all your life and you've heard this to the point that you are numb to it. You're like, I don't even need that anymore. And maybe tonight is the night that you're like, no, Brian, I've been riding the fence for a long time, and I need, to, I need to receive this anew in my life. So which camp do you fall in? Are you here tonight and you weren't looking for anything? It was just a, another Christmas Eve. You showed up here. Somebody drug you here. You saw an invitation. You saw reindeer out front, and you're like, well, that sounds like fun. Free family photos. What are they going inside for? So I don't know why you're in here. And you're just completely like, you're just going through life and you hear, you're here and you're hearing about Jesus and, and this, this concept of being forgiven of your sins and being made right with God. And you hear that and you're just like, I don't know, sign me up. Sign me up. I, I want that. If I can leave here tonight knowing that I am reconciled to God, that if I go home and I'm, I don't have another breath tomorrow morning, that I'll spend eternity with God. If I can know that tonight, I'll take that. With all my heart, I'll take it. Or maybe you're here today and you've tried a lot of different things. You go to this church and that church and this religion and that religion, and maybe your religion is simply the belief in yourself. I don't know what your religion is, but when you hear this tonight, you're like, that's what I've been looking for. I've been searching for something, uh, something to ease the pain inside of me, something to give me peace, and I think it's Jesus. I think he's the way. Maybe that's you tonight. Or maybe you would say you're the control freak. You're the Herod. You are the person that is presented with an opportunity to bow down and worship the real king. And you'd say, no, I'm I'm king. 
And see, here's the tragedy of the story of Herod. And if somebody were to be able to talk to him, you know, and say, Herod, before he died, Herod, you know, in 2,000 years, people are still going to be talking, to you, talking about you. He'd be like, yes. But the bad news is that the story that's told is that you're sort of this, this footnote to the greater narrative of Christ coming to save the earth. And, and the reality is people will look at you and they'll talk about you as that guy that had an opportunity and missed it and walked away. He could have gained everything. Instead, he held on too tight to what he accomplished, what he thought life was about. So I don't know where you're at tonight, but the arrival of Jesus means nothing. And Christmas means nothing if you don't understand who Jesus was. That he came, he didn't stay a baby. He grew up and became a man. He lived the perfect life that you could not live, ultimately died a death that you could not die, was raised to life so that you could be raised to life so that you can be reconciled to God and have peace with your creator. Do you want that tonight? Do you want that? Because you have a creator. You need to know this. You have a creator. And some of you would say, I believe that. I believe I have a creator. But he doesn't want to just be your creator. He wants to be your king. And that's totally different. It's not, a, not enough to simply hear about Jesus. We sing this song, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth, what? Receive her king. That's a prayer. That's a prayer for all of humanity that you wouldn't hear about the king of Jesus, that you wouldn't come to church and say, hey, that's cool, God came, but that you would hear him and that you would receive him, not simply believe, but receive him. Would you receive him tonight? Would you respond to him tonight? He doesn't want to simply be a distant creator. He wants to be the savior of your life, the king of your world. And in a moment, if if you would make that decision, if you would walk into that, I think your life will be completely different. So would you pray with me if that's you tonight? Jesus, we can't do it alone. And uh, we have tried. God, I confess that I have tried doing this thing alone. I've tried to find salvation in myself. I've tried to control my lifestyle and alter my morality and just do good things. But it seems like every time I try to do good things, I end up doing wrong things. And every time I try to do good things here, God, I end up doing more wrong things. And I just, I need you to come in and to change me. So God, today I give up my control of my life. And I want you to take control of me. God, I don't want empty religion. I don't want some kind of empty prayer at a church that one Christmas a long time ago. God, I want a story of God coming in and and changing my heart and totally reforming my world so that I can be at peace with myself and with my creator. God, would you come in? Would you save me? Would you make me new? I need your grace. And I receive it today, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that tonight, here's what I believe. I believe that your life is different. I believe that your world won't be the same. And if you try to walk away from church and and from God later on, if you actually prayed that and meant that in your heart, that he's going to be nagging at you in in different ways. And here's what I want to invite you to. um, As I said earlier, we are a church for people with all kinds of questions. We've set out to be a church for not just church people, but for people who have questions and doubts because we all have questions and doubts. And so I want to invite you back um, to come to a Wednesday night service next Wednesday. We're going to continue to meet here and to be on a a journey with us, to continue to explore this stuff together. You will be welcomed here. And so as we finish up, I want you to pull out your candle. Do you have a candle? I hope that you got one of these as you came in. 
Here's what we're going to do. We light a candle every Christmas Eve. And the candle represents Christ as the light of the world. That's what he calls himself, the light of the world. Here's my question. Is the world pretty dark right now? Yeah? Yeah, if you watch the news, yeah, it's pretty dark. Uh, Things are kind of a mess. And do you ever look around and go, God, what are you doing? Like, do you even care about this stuff? Are you even involved? Have you forgotten about us? Are you not interested in this stuff? Like, God, what are you doing in this world? If you've felt that way, here's what I want you to know. The Bible says this. It says that Jesus is the light of the world and that no matter how dark the world gets, that the darkness will never overcome the light. And you need to believe that today. And maybe that's just even in your personal life. You're like, Brian, if you only knew how dark my life was, you'd never let me in this place. If you knew what I did yesterday or the day before, I wouldn't be welcome here. But understand this, that's not the story of Jesus. He says, listen, I don't care how dark your light or your, your life is, that your darkness will never overcome my light within you if you receive me. So that's the story of Jesus today. And I, I pray that as you, as you listen to the song and look at your candle, you consider the light of Christ here for the world. Love you guys. Thanks.